0: Hello, welcome to Fancy Black Lady. I'm your host, Jamila Carrington-Smith. And I'm your host, Landria Seals-Green. One quick note before we get started. If you love Fancy Black Lady, tell your friends about us. And for those of you who are Apple Podcast listeners, be sure to leave us a rating. In fact, leave us a review. Tell us what you love about the show. It helps us understand what's working and it also helps new listeners discover us. Thanks. I was at the dentist's office today because I had a follow-up appointment from a few weeks ago. Okay. And in the dentist chair, this guy is going into my mouth and he's like, so what do you think about Kamala Harris? I'm like, you know, thumbs up, it's good. And he's like, um, well, you know, I just think it's all a scam because she's not really African-American. Whoa, I'm like, hold on. Oh. Hold on. You're not going to get my mouth all open and then act like you're going to go to work and say some crazy stuff like that and expect me not to talk back. So I was just because you know how dentists are always they're always going in your mouth. They say stuff. You can't respond. I'm like, this is not going to be one of those times. Not with this one. So I was like, look, if you bring this stuff up, then you're going to have to stand there and wait while I talk this stuff out. So I talked about the fact that she very much, yes, she is an African-American woman. He's like, well, her dad is, is Jamaican and her mother is Indian, so she's not African-American. I'm like, she is absolutely, regardless of her heritage, right? She is very, she has had a black experience. She is a black Thank person. you. And I know, and she is an Asian woman as well. And what did he say? He said something like well you know it's only skin deep i'm like well isn't that the whole problem that all of this stuff is skin deep i'm like this whole business of being biracial is really pretty new it's really only in the last maybe 10 15 20 years we have talked about being biracial but for a very long time in this country's history you could be walking around for all intents and purposes a white person and you could have a great 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 grandparent who was african-american and you would have been a black person
1: one drop,
0: you know, one drop. Exactly. One So drop. Any, any one of us. I told him that 23 uh, and Me actually published a really interesting study just a couple of weeks ago where they looked at this trove of genetic information that they have from African-Americans. And what they found, well, they found a few things. Well, one of the things they found that was so interesting to me is that most African-Americans are descended from the matrilineal line. This has to do with the fact that there was so much... Well, it was rape, regardless of whether it was violent rape or rape of circumstance, where you just have two people who are of such unequal status that, you know, regardless of, you know, whether there was physical violence, the violence of the situation made it such that it was rape, that most men actually didn't survive to have children, to have black children. You know, and so many of us are descended through this matrilineal line, which is shot through and through with European blood. And so I was like, look, if you want to go there, then any one of us could be multiracial. You could be talking about me and say, I'm not African-American, if that's the case. But she is very much African-American. And uh, mm.
1: why do we have to do all of this? Why do we have to authenticate people, you know, like street authentication or street cred in order to say that they are what they say they are? or what people identify them as. Absolutely, she is Black. She is an African-American woman because she has lived the African-American experience. She has a parent that is Brown, Black, whether his origins are from Jamaica or wherever he's from. But I mean, let me tell you, on my shelf, I have ordered, I'm looking at it, I have ordered the new Jim Crow. Um, by Michelle Alexander, and that is something that I feel like I need to crack open this weekend, because this kind of stuff is just making me angry. Because why can't we just say, "How do you feel about Kamala Harris?" The other person says, "I'm so excited because, you know, of all the reasons, I, I'm gonna tell you, I'm most excited because I know." That in a debate, see, I wanted her to be the presidential candidate. I would just be honest about that. Uh So I was saddened by the fact that she dropped out of the race, but I was also from a strategy standpoint, energized secretly because I felt like she would be something instrumental in the cabinet, if not the vice presidential nominee. So I am very excited and i said to my family yesterday i said okay people we need to you know figure out who we're going to work with because we are going to be active in this uh, presidential race and we are going to volunteer as a family because it's just important to me to do so but i'm ecstatic that she is the vice presidential pick but we got to fight this voter suppression because i do not want a Situation in November that will cause me to be inside my house for a few days trying to understand what happened. I do not need that anymore. I I can't have that happen again, but I am ecstatic about Kamala Harris.
0: Well, two things. Number one, because this is one of a series of situations where I have to be the teacher, and I do not want to be the teacher. I should not be the teacher. I don't know everything. You know what I'm about to say. What are you about to say? I'm about to say this do not overreact.
1: Uh oh. To whom much is given, much is required.
0: Well, so much has been (laughs) taken from me. I'm taking it out everywhere.
1: (laughs) So much has been
0: required. So much has been required. Why do they require so much? (laughs) Girl, I am schooling people in the dentist chair. With a bibble, I'm schooling people. Hey, wait, 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 one last thing. I made this man sit and listen to what I had to say. Oh. For, I think it was three minutes, and that might not sound like much, but three minutes of talking is a long time. But at the end of it, he pulled out his phone, and he's doing something on his phone, and then he showed me, and he showed me that he had made a $10,000 contribution to the Democratic National Committee, to which I gave him an elbow bump at the end of the day he can think whatever he wants to think and i like to think that maybe i uh, shifted his thinking on yes, this a did. little bit or at least helped him understand not to start digging around in people's mouths before you know say something crazy and but then this... think you're not going to have a comeback <laughs> but, but this... i appreciate i appreciate where he's putting his money
1: but this is what you did you helped influence him and so now he is going to use your talking points and he is going to repeat them to his friends over and over again. And then they're going to influence people. And that's how good rumors get
0: started. I'll tell you what else. There's a dental hygienist who got a whole education today because she was just sitting back <laughs> and watching all of this. She didn't come to work for that. She did not come to work she for didn't. that. She didn't. She didn't. But she got that anyway. Mm-mm. I mean, she look, said- I, didn't, I didn't go to the dentist for that. She said, know. let me tell you, she this said, this PPE
1: out. is hot. She said, it is hot behind this P- PPE. <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop talking. It's three minutes of sweating.
0: <laughs> Good. Good.
1: Because usually mm. it's
0: us who's doing the sweating. Shoot. Let's mm-hmm. a sweat for a minute while they learn.
1: No, that's why I like to fight. Look. You know, no shade to any professional, but the only practitioner that our family has that is that does not look like us is my dentist. Yeah, Everybody we'll
0: watch else. Watch yourself because I can tell you that these dentists be crazy.
1: I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm a, I feel like I need to go. Well, you know, Dr. Sam, who we see, who is a great children's dentist. He is Howard University undergrad and U of M. Grass. I like him so much. I really do. I like him so much for kids. I wish I wish he could be my dentist too. I That's do. Cool. I know. Cool. I know. It's a little plug. He can ask for that. I'm sure he appreciates it. I'm sure he appreciates it. Yeah. So um you heard about what happened with Meg the Stallion. And I'ma tell you, I, I don't know all her songs. I don't. I do not. The one song I listen to is uh, Savage the Remix. And it is a song I just need every now and then when I'm working. It is a song I need, but I heard a couple of weeks ago that she, she
0: was shot. Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's not exactly like I'm a big fan of her music either. Look, Megan Thee Stallion is enjoying her 20s. 20, she's 25 years old. She is enjoying her 20s in a way that... I never enjoyed my 20s if i had the chance to go back and enjoy my 20s i wouldn't enjoy them in exactly the way that she's enjoying yeah but i appreciate what she's doing you know I, i just i appreciate it it's not for me but i just feel like um regardless of how you might feel about the music this incident of her getting shot and it's not entirely clear what the circumstances were But there was another entertainer who is suspected, I say suspected in air quotes, it's one of those things like everybody knows. Alleged. Yeah, allegedly um, shot her in both her feet, which is one of those acts of violence that is meant to maim. It's meant to diminish her shine. It's meant to inflict pain. It's meant to maybe even hobble literally and figuratively, her career. The reason why we wanted to talk about this is that, I guess she went on Instagram Live and she was talking about the incident and she actually started to tear up. And we've talked about the value of our tears and how they have been so undervalued for so long. And the thing that was kind of upsetting for me, especially in this moment, is that there were people who were mocking her, mocking the fact that she had been shot, mocking the fact that she was crying. And it just felt so, it just felt so retrograde. It felt like, are we not all in this moment, people?
1: I don't know. Is it about this moment why people laughed i think sometimes you have an image of a person and you may agree or disagree with that image so she is more audacious more bold she parades her sexuality in a way that many of us did not do in our 20s maybe some people did no judgment but that's what she does and she has made a career out of it and put and music. I don't know which one goes first for her, but yeah. it, it's all um, integrated into one, I think, at this point. So that is an image, that is a brand that she has now. When you have people who are bold and audacious in that way, who people would say, they become a machine, like the strong friend, like they all become this machine. And so when that person has a moment or an emotional break or breakdown or shows, um, and I I, I say weakness, but it's not weakness. They show that emotional side of them that is quite personal. People often laugh or remark about it or gawk at it because it, it contradicts the image that they have of you. And she can't, she can't cry. She can't feel what she feels. She can't be hurt. and she's got to stand up like a soldier because she is this person. And how often do we do that to people in our lives that we say, I yes. can't believe you've gone through that through so much because girl, if that was me, I'd be over in the corner rocking back and forth and crying. But then we dismiss the fact that that person, has also cried and had emotion. They are just not showing it to you in this moment. And we just dismiss that in each other for far too long we have. So kudos to her for letting the tears flow. And I hope that we just kind
0: of, we stop that. We allow people to feel. I'm glad that you said what you said. And that was so well said because also in this moment michelle obama has released her podcast but yeah she talked about experiencing what she called low-grade depression and i think to hear someone of her stature say something like that was so surprising it was news it was news for a lot of people but on the other hand it's like but of course is she not also of this world and in this moment and oh my gosh it's really terrible sometimes. And so I think about Megan the Stallion, I think about Michelle Obama, I think about these emotional, uh, they are not breaks, you know? No. You know, we have emotions, they serve us, they serve a purpose. But I think about these people who are in this very public sphere and, and being people, they're being fully human when they are sharing these things. And I just think the two of them together just make for a really interesting case.
1: I, I wish more people would admit to I am sad. I think over the weekend, I've probably sent a text to somebody that said, I think I have depression. And I, you know, there are moments that I think that I do. And I've shared things with you personally, but of course. Of course, there are moments where you just don't have anything else to give, and that extends over a period of time. But here's the thing. There are times where you don't have anything else to give, and you still push through. And so the inside of you continues to just say, hey, I'm so tired, and we're so sad. We're so very sad. But you continue to work. You continue to pick up babies, cut steak answer conference calls, do all of this stuff. So, And then you have all of this, all these things happening in the world. And I was um, talking to somebody today and the fact is women carry the the burden of this pandemic, just like women will carry this vote, there's a plug, but women, yes. will also, <laughs> women will also, women will, we also carry the burden of this pandemic. And um, yeah. I, I will be the first to tell you, yes, I think I serve. I don't even think it's low grade depression. I think sometimes my depression is medium. It's medium and some <laughs> days it's
0: high. A solid medium. A so solid
1: you. medium. But you continue on. And I hope both of them, I hope they both feel as though they can find health practitioners and real licensed clinicians who can support them at the stage that they're in because it's one thing to acknowledge it it's another thing not to get the support you need and it's honestly it really is beyond your sister circle and your prayer room and it's, your small your small group at church it's so really important that you said it, that. it's beyond that
0: can i tell you just a little sidebar really nice story i told you that um i interview prospective college students for my alma mater and uh, this last season i interviewed a young woman And she was extraordinary. She does all the stuff. She's the leader of everything. She does every sport. She plays 800 instruments. You know, she speaks five languages, all that stuff. And this young woman was really stressed out, but she's in this interview. And the way I interview people, I do try to just talk with them and end up eliciting things from them. And so one thing that I love about younger people today is this language of depression, this language of anxiety doesn't have quite the same stigma associated with it that it did when we were coming up. And so I had a few students actually talk to me rather openly about it, which is really important because they're all, they're a very high achieving group and they really do have major, major stress. So this young woman who is not an African-American woman, she is the daughter of recent immigrants, was talking to me about her motivation and like all of these things that she does. And she said, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just wearing a mask. And then I said, you know, have you heard of Paul Lawrence Dunbar? And she said, no. That's right. And so I, I recited the poem by Paul Lawrence Dunbar, we wear the mask. And we just had just a little moment. In any case, she followed up a couple of weeks later with this really nice thank you note. It was very nice. And in it, she, she said that, that the poem had become so important to her personally, and that she had kind of taken it on and it has become part of her personal canon, as I like to say. She said that she did a class oratory presentation about it and like, did something where she was presenting and leading and taking other kids through this Asian girl. And, um, I just thought it was so cool. It was so cool to have that come full circle. That's beautiful. That's yeah.
1: beautiful. It's beautiful on so many, for, for so many reasons for me, because poetry, even African-American poetry is not just for African-Americans. It was for her in that moment. It
0: was, and, and it is. um.
1: We all can relate, you know, Paul Lawrence Dunbar and that poem, we wear the mask is one of just the title alone. Comforts me in such a way because it's not, I'm wearing one by myself. We wear a mask. But the other thing is that so many people always talk about mentorship, right? And they want mentorship to be this long-lasting relationship. And mentorship is not that all the time. You will probably find it a rarity that you have a mentor that has lasted with you through years and through decades. And even though you did not have a deep relationship with this young lady and your meeting with her was just for a single um, moment in time. And I hope she got in, but a single moment in time. The thing is, is that you had a mentor moment with her. And you had a mentor moment that takes her to the next level for the next person who will catch her. I'm glad that you were free enough to be able to sit there and have that conversation with her and share that.
0: It was a wonderful moment. I'm glad that it was also special to her. So back to the women that we were talking about in that episode of Michelle Obama's podcast, Uh, Michelle Norris, who is an NPR reporter. She is an extraordinary journalist. I'm a big, big fan of her work. But she said something that I just thought was just beautifully put. And she said, The strong black woman moniker is a necklace of concrete that's meant to look like pearls. It's meant to be a compliment, but it can drag you down. When we don't acknowledge the emotional lives of these women who look so strong, whether it's because they have positions of power or whether it's because they are using their sexuality in ways that might make you uncomfortable, but really that's a kind of power. But when we deny them their humanity and we turn them into these objects, these archetypes, we're robbing them of their humanity. And I feel like we especially have a responsibility to not let that happen because it happens to all of us every day.
1: You know, consider this. Consider that it is the job of the person, it is my job as a human being to not wear a mask and their levels of it. So it's not the public's job because the public will do what the public does. They will love me, they will crucify me, they will do all of those different things. But it is my responsibility to myself to make sure that my pearls are pearls.
0: That sounds beautiful. But the public is really just you and me. It's you and me and everybody. And so there's the public figure who can decide to move through life without the mask. But for the rest of us, we're engaging in a level of self-deception when we deny them their humanity because we aren't fully connected to our own.
1: Right, yes, yes. So we deny, we deny them because we deny ourselves. It's true. Yeah. So when I am, and also it doesn't mean that you become transparent and everyone knows everything about you, all of the layers and the levels of you, people will know different sides of you based upon the relationship and how they know you, but you are still being authentic because all of those levels of you are authentic. But I always liken it to preachers. How so? Because a good majority of them say, "Well, can I just be human for a minute? I'm a human too, you know. Can I just be human?" And I think you
0: all cannot. People can't hear my eyes roll. They can't can't hear your
1: eyes roll, but I can see your eyes roll. But the thing is, is that "Can I just be human?" says to me that you never recognized that you were human. Maybe they didn't allow themselves to be human. So
0: I want to go back to my eye roll moment. (laughs) <laughs> because no what we're talking about with Michelle Obama is it's honest it is yes open she's sharing something that is deeply personal and deeply sensitive she's making herself vulnerable on purpose yeah when I hear the performance of can I be human for a moment is <laughs> uh because that's a performance that's not an intimacy is right? it a
1: performative act it's
0: a perform it's a performative act and it sounds like hubris <laughs> to me
1: But I just think if you were human, if if they would just take off the mask in the first place, they would never have to ask that question. So it's not can I be human it's the person recognizing that they are human. And so stop wearing that mask of having, of being five different personalities. I mean, I know preachers who do things and it's like, you are not from England. You don't have, why are you speaking with an accent? Just because you want to sound like you're more educated. I mean, it's it's a, me- it's a mess.
0: So it's like- So can I be human to me presupposes that I know you think that I am way up here. That's right. why I say that's hubris. Yes. So I just, you know, that's yes. garbage to me.
1: Yeah. And so to bring it back to- Michelle Obama it's like I know you think I am this person and I am all of these things but we are human beings who have a common thread and none of this has escaped me so I can appreciate that and I was like Michelle you sure it's just low grade because you've been through a lot I feel like (laughs) I mean if (laughs) we want to if you want to keep it all the way I'm like girl you are you are you sure because i I have not been through as much as you have, and I have medium.
0: It was appropriate for her. She used two highly mitigating words. Probably. Probably. Low grade. It's like, girl, I know. I know.
1: That's not even it's a D. Hard. Is that a DSM-4, DSM-5 diagnosis? Is that even in the DSM low grade? Right. No, it's no, no, a low no. grade Pro- fever.
0: Probably low grade.
1: Probably. Yeah. yeah. Which she, we know what this is. Look. We
0: we look at each other, we know what this is. What this is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. In the meantime, I'm screaming into my earphones like it's depression. I know it. I have it. Yes. <laughs> I have it too. Yes, we do.
1: Thank you. You need, do you need a number? Because I have a good therapist. Do you need a number? <laughs> Oof. Yes. But I think that people like people who do too much, who do a lot. At a certain point in your life, you need an appointment. I do. And I know that we have differing perspectives, but I keep an appointment. I keep a monthly or every two week appointment and I look forward to it. I feel like my therapist is one of my girlfriends, but (laughs) she knows too much though. She knows a lot, but I feel like that's why I got to keep her around. I'm like, whoo, you know, all this stuff. You can never unravel yourself. You will never (laughs) unravel No, but um, that's where that's where I am. That's yeah. what I do for myself.
0: You have a therapist. I don't. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in therapy. I do. I have an early, I had an early experience with, uh, it was a counselor when my parents got divorced. I went to see mm-hmm. this counselor and I might have been, I don't know, like maybe I was 12 or maybe I was 14. But I was clearly talking to somebody and this person was... Can I say this when I say they were not my equal? Like I was the one who was higher. (laughs) And it just, it soured me on the whole thing.
1: Oh, oh, well, let me tell you, there is nothing worse than speaking to someone about your issues or emotional challenges or what's going on in your life when you feel like they are from a different cloth than you are. A different tapestry, if you will. That's and so nice. Your You're so nice. Tapestry. Put all these nice words. Your tapestry. It. I know. It's it's what I do. Your tapestry may have finer thread and it may just be, and, you know, the blanket is raggedy. Because so, my
0: feelings just felt more like bump this mess. But you just put such nice words around it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we said the same thing, though. We said the same thing. Did we? we did we we really did did. we said the same thing but you know don't let that sour the experience (laughs) (laughs) dip your toe in that therapy pond again
0: if you want to I i feel like i need like a speed dating for a therapist that's a great idea speed dating to find my therapist or like, anybody's you know, what? Therapist.
1: I, I I will not insult licensed clinical professionals with speed dating for therapists. Then,
0: but they I just not won't. Insult me. They better not insult I will me not. by asking for my time and money and then having it be wasted because this person is just like, they're just not, they're not a fit. I'm not we'll, interested. We'll go honestly, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just listening. I'm listening. Go ahead. I go ahead. Earl- I have an early impression and I'm telling you, if the next time around, if it's not right, then it's just going to be very difficult for me to come back. Look, I will do so, more hard labor in the garden. I will do that. I'm more willing to do that than I am willing to talk to someone who simply cannot understand what I'm talking about.
1: What, what do you need the profile of this therapist to look like and be?
0: Girl, it's not even a profile. What is it's the somebody, imagery? It's, it's not an image. It's what's in their mind. And I, I don't know how to, like, I need them to know stuff. I need them to know a lot of stuff, like a wide range of stuff, so that when I use words, they understand what I'm talking about.
1: Oh, so you need them to be you, or you oh, yeah. need them to
0: be them <laughs> with a specialty? I need them to be them with a specialty.
1: Okay, but well, they won't know
0: all your words. Well, see, that's a problem. <laughs> I don't know all your words. Um, and you are not my therapist. If I am paying you to, like, give <laughs> value to me. Oh, just, Yeah, yeah. So I am not difficult No, case, I'm not I your therapist.
1: No, you're not a difficult case. You're not a oh, difficult good. case. But 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 we have some work to do.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> we we have, work on me. It'll be like a. Um, we have some like work a, to do. It, it's like the grown-up version of, like, you know, braiding my hair and doing my makeup is like getting me a therapist. (laughs) I saw this man today running, and he wasn't like, he wasn't like um, young and awesome looking and, you know, wearing all the expensive stuff. He was a regular middle-aged man, ordinary looking, black man, running with no shirt on. And that got me thinking, maybe... No 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 it I, it actually wasn't that it got me thinking well if he can go running through the neighborhood maybe it's okay for me to go running again too of course well, I already told you a story about the deer and the stuff and yeah and there's also I yeah. never told I told you about my dad running the early
1: Yes you did yeah Yes, so, you
0: did. Uh, for those who don't know, it's not just the crazy story about the deer. It's not just mod, But one of my earliest and formative memories is of my father, who stayed very fit, has always been very fit. And when I was maybe four five, six years old, he had gone out running one morning, as he always did. But that morning he came home because a pickup truck with a couple of white guys in it tried to run him down with their truck and they ran all across people's yards and through their front yards to the point where there were ruts in their yard where they were chasing my father with their truck for sport and so my memory of this is him coming home and he was clearly upset by it and I was upset by it and it's one of those things where to this day I associate pickup trucks with danger, I associate running with danger even though i used to do it every time i went out i thought where's the person who's going to hit me with their car and then there was an old white woman who twice and the same woman twice came too close to hitting me with her car and not by accident so yeah that's the real reason why i don't run the deer and Ahmad. And also my very early All memory of being in personal danger when you were out yeah. and running. So when I saw this man running today with the shirt on, I thought, okay, well, he's out. He's doing it. <sighs> this is the, this is the uh, nonsensical nature of trauma. I'm like, he's running and he's alive. So maybe I can run, is what I thought.
1: Isn't that freeing, though? It didn't feel freeing. No, not feeling, but it is it'll it'll get there, but it gave you uh, hope of that too could be you at some point. And it doesn't have to be tomorrow, but that's a lot. That's a lot to have to digest, and I can see how compounded it would make you stay away from running. Yeah. I can see how that happened.
0: Oh, and by the way, and here's the great part about this story. The place where he was chased by these people was uh, in a spot that we normally drove. It was on our normal route, like to the grocery store. And um, there were these giant ruts in people's yards. This happened at maybe six in the morning. Naturally, nobody saw anything, right? Of course. We were living in Chicago, highly redlined, and he had crossed the line, the invisible line, into the white neighborhood just running. And, uh, you know, nobody saw nothing. Giant, you know, pickup truck ruts in, in people's yards. You, 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 you step on people's grass, you know, and they're like, get off my lawn. But a yeah. pickup truck chasing a man who is running for his life through your yard and you don't see anything. Nobody saw anything.
1: Of course, of course. I don't know if people still talk about or understand how deep that um red lining is i remember growing up and my father talking about when he was a teenager not crossing a bridge and they live my grandparents live in the suburb of chicago um summit illinois um, and going outside of that neighborhood to maybe Bridgeview or someplace like that you just didn't cross over that bridge because the, he would say the white boys would chase you. They would throw things at you. And I remember hearing a lot
0: of those stories growing up. Well, I have my own stories because it's the same neighborhood where I lived. And I was like right on the cusp of one of those lines. So
1: yeah. And to your point, the pickup truck thing, when I hear a big pickup truck, especially where I live, I'm like, "Mm, let me see. And I check the stickers on the car. Like, is there a Confederate flag somewhere? You check it and more than likely it is. And you just think to yourself, okay, uh, let's just let them pass and get in front of us. Yep. Yep. And it's 2020. Uh, Last time I checked. Yep. And the beat goes on. It goes on. And the beat goes on. Thank you for listening to Fancy Black Lady. Don't forget to visit our store at FancyBlackLady.com or follow us on Facebook. See you next time and don't forget to stay fancy.